Go with me, please, to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, a series we've been on for a few weeks now. In Ephesians 4, 23, I'm going to read this in the CEV, the Contemporary English Version. It says, let the Spirit change your way of thinking. How many think that's a good idea? Let the Spirit change how you think and make you into a new person. You are created to be like God, and so you must please Him and be truly holy. We're part of the same body. Stop lying. Would you need to write to Christians, because these are the saints at Ephesus, and tell them to stop lying? Lying is a major problem throughout the earth. Stop lying and start telling each other the truth. Don't get so angry that you sin. Don't go to bed angry. And don't give the devil a chance. The title of our series is Give No Place to the Devil, based on this 27th verse. Neither give place to the devil. God's Word translation says, Verse 25, so then get rid of lies, speak the truth to each other, God's word translation, because we're members of the same body. Be angry without sinning. So that's possible, isn't it? To get mad, but not miss it. That's possible. God himself gets angry, but he doesn't sin. And he said, uh, Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil any opportunity to work. There's so much revelation there. There is a devil. And he does have cohorts called demons and evil spirits. They are nothing like what Hollywood portrays them to be. Much of what is written in scripts for movies and horror shows and all this kind of stuff that would talk about the devil and demons is actually inspired by the devil and demons to mislead. He wants you to believe that he and these malevolent spirits are monsters that you should be terrified of or you don't believe they exist at all. One of the biggest things that the enemy has pulled off in the planet is convincing most of the inhabitants that he does not exist. The devil doesn't exist. And if you don't believe the devil exists, you're never going to resist what you don't believe exists. But now, if you believe the Bible, how many Bible believers we got in here, if you believe the Word of God, Then it just got through telling you, don't give the devil any place or room to work. Well, that should settle it for you. There's a devil. And he's looking for opportunities to work in my life. And uh, the, the good news here is I don't have to allow him these opportunities. Is that good news or is that good news? I can shut the door on his entry and operation into my affairs. If the Bible said don't give him a place to work, 
don't give him an opportunity to work, that means you can. In uh, 1 Peter 5 and 8 it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Again, revelation, there is a devil. He is against you. He's not for you. You can't make friends with him. You can't work a deal with him. He's a known liar. He'll tell you he'll make a deal with you. But you're a fool if you believe it. And he is seeking to devour, to destroy. Jesus said the thief doesn't come unless he comes to steal or kill or destroy. And isn't it sad that you got much of the inhabitants of the planet, they act like the devil doesn't even exist. But all of the terrible stealing, killing, and destroying, they blame on God. Now this is how effective the enemy has been in lying and deceiving. No, you know, to hear people talk, even church-going people, you would think there is no devil. They never mention him. And every bad thing that happens must have been God's mysterious, unknowable will. Well, what about the devil? What's he doing? (laughs) Nothing. Do, Do we need to attribute the works of the devil to our good God, our good Father? We need to wake up. We need to be enlightened. But notice the enemy is seeking who? Don't you like that little three-letter word right there before devour? M-A-Y? Whom he may. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means there's some he may devour and destroy. Still kill and destroy. But there are some. There are some. He may not devour. Why? Because they won't give him place. They won't allow him the room and the freedom to still kill and destroy in their life because they have found out what he's up to and they found out who they are in Christ and what they have in the authority in the name of Jesus and that the greater one lives inside them and they found out the truth and they have shut him down and won't allow him to do it. Oh, this is good news. The truth will make you free. Are you or may not? One he may not devour. But what's, what determines that? Verse 9, the very next verse. This, this wasn't even the completion of the sentence. He's seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Knowing the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Never believe you're the only one going through this. That's another lie. It's just simply not true. Say it out loud. Resist. Resist. Say it again. Resist. Resist. This is one of the biggest words you need to learn relative to the devil. You need to identify that it is the devil. And then what do you do? You resist it. You do not give in to it. You do not agree with it. You do not accept it. You do not yield to it. You resist it. Stand against resist. You'll find this phrase many times in the New Testament describing our response 
to the evil one. James talks about this, James 4.7. James 4.7 says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Nobody's going to make you do that. You have to do that yourself. You submit yourself. Then do what? Then do what? What do you do with the devil? Is there a devil? What do you do? Resist the devil and he'll beat you up. (laughs) He will tower over you 20 foot tall and breathe fire and No, that's a lie. That's not true. That's a Hollywood misinformation. No, he is, the devil is not what he used to be. (laughs) The Bible said he's been stripped. He's been spoiled. I'm quoting New Testament words. He's been brought to naught. Anybody know what a naught is? A naught is a zero. Have you read the end of the book? What happens with the devil? He loses. Nobody will ever lose on the scale he loses. So he is the loser. The. The. He doesn't like you to talk like that. He wants you to be afraid of it. But is it true that he has been placed under the feet of the body of Christ and you are in the body of Christ? So even if you are the top of the toenail on the little toe in the body of Christ, where's the devil? Under you. Under you. Authority-wise, he's under you. Now, most of the church doesn't know that. So because of their ignorance, they keep giving place. Most of the church acts like there is no devil. So they don't recognize him when he's operating. So they just give in. They yield to stuff. They receive stuff. They believe lies and are destroyed and devoured. And we have experienced some of that, too much of that ourselves. But let's wise up. Let's wake up. Let's grow up. And let's put a stop to the devil's activities in our lives. We can't control everybody and everything. But where your life is concerned, you can close the door. Look with me in Revelation 12, please. Revelation 12:9 It says the great dragon was cast out. Now John is seeing by the spirit the culmination of human history and God's dealing with mankind and God's dealing with the devil. He saw the whole thing unfold and he wrote it down called the, the book of Revelation. And uh Revelation means it was revealed. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. I want you to notice this phrase. What does he do? What's his main activity? He deceives the whole world. Do not take that lightly. You want to take this very seriously. The devil and his cohorts, all the evil spirits that work with them, they are masters at convincing human beings of things that are not true. 
They are masters at it. They have practiced it for millennia. And they do not come obviously. They come always the back door. They come from an angle you don't expect. They quote partial truths. They refer supposedly to evidence. And their objective is to convince you that a lie is true. And if you come to believe that the lie is true, you will then be blinded to other things you need to see about this. You'll be holding on to a false hope that cannot work, and you'll be bound. The Lord said that if you believe in Him and you continue in His Word, you would know the truth. That could also be translated, you'll experience the truth. And the truth will do what? It will make you free. If truth will make you free, what will lies do to you? They will bind you. The truth lets you see, and the the truth is light. And the truth makes you free. Lies blind. Lies are darkness, spiritual darkness, and lies bind. This is not a message you want to sleep through. This is the enemy's primary weaponry, or his carefully crafted lies. And you and I have not been alive long enough to match wits with him or them. If you think you do, it's pride and you're being a fool and you're easily, you'll be easily deluded, easily tricked. Because that's part of what he will work with on you is telling you how smart you are <laughs> as he sets you up to convince you of a lie. You do not need, you must not Depend on your own knowledge and intelligence to win these battles. You are outmatched mentally. Way outmatched. You've been been alive how long? How much experience do you have? If it's a hundred years, it's nothing. These spirits have been at this for millennia. And, And how long they existed prior to that, we don't even know. But what you do have is the greater one on the inside of you, the spirit of truth, who will guide you into all truth. Woo! And you've got the word of God. Hallelujah! All the words recorded in this book, they are truth. And your your protection against lies is you being established in the truth. What will the truth do for you? It'll make you free. It'll make you free. Ephesians 6, go there please. How do we not give place to the devil? Well, you need to realize how he comes. 
And, and what are we watching for? These areas have been too ambiguous. They've been too ethereal. It's just, well, the devil. Yeah, I've got to stand against the devil. Okay, how? How would you know when he comes? What are you looking for? <laughs> if you're looking for a monster with a pitchfork, horns, <laughs> you're still waiting. <laughs> the Bible said the devil transforms himself into an angel of light. He doesn't come as the devil. He comes as a messenger from God. Think about that. Trying to convince you of something that is not true. Is he good at this? The Bible said he's very subtle. What does that mean? Not obvious. He's really tricky. Really tricky. <laughs> he's so tricky. All the tricksters have learned from him. In Ephesians 6, verse 10, he said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. He didn't just say be strong, but be strong in the Lord. Don't depend on your strength, depend on his strength in you and in the power of his might. See, his, his power, his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against what? Against what? The wiles of the devil. Now this is what you and I should be looking for. We're told specifically what to stand against, what to not allow place. What, what are we looking for? Wiles. What, what are wiles? Trickery, trickery, deception. Let, let me give you some of the words, if you look at the Hebrew words and the Greek words. Wile means uh, cunning. It means crafty. It means tricky. It means deceptive. One of the key words and something we don't, you know, most people don't use that often, sophistry. Or sophistry, depending on how you pronounce it, means subtle, deceptive reasoning or argument. Subtle, deceptive reasoning or argument. You don't have to look far. In the beginning of mankind, how did the devil get over on our first parents? How did he do it? He came through a being God had created, the serpent, an animal, and he reasoned with them and lied to them. He, he said, did God say he first questioned? And then he said, well, you won't really die. He put a lie in the middle of that, and he said, uh, gave him a reason. God knows you'll be like God's. Can you see? Subtle, deceptive reasoning, and argumentation. This is what we should be vigilant, watchful for. And the Lord gave me a two, the two big keys that protect us from this. Number one is the truth. 
the truth, knowing the truth, being established in the truth. Number two, testing everything. Testing everything. Too many are too quick to believe whatever they hear. Too many are too easily deluded, too easily tricked. They just believe whatever they're told. When it comes to the Word of God, and only the Word of God, you are to believe immediately without questioning or without understanding. Because God has never lied to you. He never will lie to you. It's impossible for him to lie to you. You can trust every word that comes out of his mouth. It is 100% true. It is perfect. It'll never trick you. It'll never fail you. So every word that God has said, you accept instantly without question, without understanding. Everything else you examine, you scrutinize, you test, you question, and then you question it some more, and then you check it again, and you test it again. I don't care who it comes through. You, you question it. You check it. You test it. Now, this is not just my thinking. This is what the Scripture tells you to do. I'm going to give you more Scripture as we go. Too many Christians are too easily deceived, too easily deluded and blinded and bound. Because why? They don't ask questions. They just believe what they're told. They just accept what they hear. That's being unarmed. I want you to notice here, continue reading in Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, people get hung up on the breastplate and the helmet and the shield, but these are just graphic portrayals. The armor is not a literal physical helmet. You know that, right? What is the armor? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to do what? What's the purpose of all this? So I can stand against what? Against what? Subtly deceptive reasoning or argumentation. Trickery. Sophistry. Deception. Lies. is what you and I should be sober, vigilant, on the watch. Every time, I mean when we hear something out of the Bible, we don't even have to check it. We believe it. It's true. Everything else we hear through everybody else. Because, yeah, but they're good people. Yeah, but they could be wrong. They may not realize they're wrong. Well, they love me. Yeah, but they could be wrong. Ignorantly so. Everything else through everybody else. You should start off by going, really? Where did that come from? Who said? How do we know? 
People have not thought this is the Christian way to be. And they've applied simply trusting God that if you walk in love, you're supposed to trust everybody like that. No, no, no. All that does is make you easy to deceive. Love is not trust. I can love you and not believe a word you say. (laughs) You're not to believe and just blindly, like a little bird in the nest with its mouth open, swallow everything you hear me say. You're not. Why? Why? I'm a man. I hadn't been around very long. I don't know that much. I could be sincere, but I could be wrong. I could be so sincere, but sincerely wrong. (laughs) And you are not dependent on human beings to know truth. Oh, glory to God. This This is so wonderful. This is so wonderful. You are not reliant, dependent. Look, hold your place there in Ephesians. Go to 1 John, the second chapter. This will answer a question here. 1 John 2.27. 1 John 2.27 says, The anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. Now, some people have heard that, and I thought, well, you know, I I don't need to hear any teaching. I don't need anybody. Well, that contradicts other scriptures. God, when the Lord ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. He must have thought we needed them, right? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. We must need them. But so what does this mean then? I am not dependent on any human being to know whether something is true or not. I've got the anointing of truth, the spirit of truth, the author of the word of truth living on the inside of me. And there are two, there should be two foundational pillars standard in your life by which you scrutinize and examine everything else. Number one, The Word of God. Number two, the witness of the Spirit inside you. And both of those are not dependent on human beings around you. Thank God we we need the ministry. These are gifts. We need them. But you are not dependent on me or anybody else to know for sure if something is true. Or something is right or not. In fact, you need to be examining everything that comes out of my mouth. Right? You need to be checking it by two infallible things. What are you checking it by? The Word. The Word. What else? The witness. Say it out loud. The Word and the witness. The Word and the witness. Which one's first? The Word. word. You wouldn't even recognize the witness if it wasn't for the Word. But the witness is always going to be completely in line with the Word because it's the same person. 
Same person that authored that is the witness inside you. And you don't need, you need not that any man teach you. You're not dependent on people to know the truth. But as that same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth. Can you hear that? Truth, truth. And is no lie. And even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Now he calls the anointing him. 1 John 5, 6 says the spirit bears witness because the spirit is truth. John 17, the Lord said, thy word is truth. Then here he says, the spirit is truth. So these two standards that I'm checking everything by is the truth. Amen. The truth. I just a few weeks ago I had a, a few weeks ago it hadn't been that long week or week and a half whatever I had the opportunity when I was out west to take a motorbike ride. When I, when I get an opportunity to do that in the mountains I, I like to. So once a year sometimes more than that I if I got a chance I do it. And so I'm blasting down the road among the cactus in the desert on a good fast Harley. And the Lord asked me a question on the motorbike. He said, Keith, what's the difference between knowledge and truth? And I immediately said, that's a really good question, Lord. That's a, that's a, that is a really good question. And I would like to know the answer to that question. What is, I begin to think about it. What's the difference between knowledge and truth? And the Spirit of God, I don't mean I heard a voice, but he, he came up in my spirit, from my spirit to my mind, enlightened me. He said, uh, just because you know something or think you know something, that does not make it true. And truth is true whether you know it or not. <laughs> truth is true whether you believe it or not. And so this relatively modern term that you hear people banding about, about my truth and your truth, these are bad terms. These are very bad terms. Again, subtle. It sounds like I need to respect your truth and you need to respect my truth and let's be tolerant and let's be inclusive. How about let's be deceived? Because that's what's going on. Truth is not relative. Truth is absolute. Jesus is the truth. Amen. His word is the truth. Amen. It's been purified many times. It's perfect. It's absolute. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. When people say, well, you know, you got your truth. I got my truth. What they're saying is the truth is whatever I say it is. Bunk. Junk. You're being tricked. You're being deceived. It's either true or it's not. <laughs> Putting a my or you're in front of it doesn't work because it's not relative. 
What's the difference between knowledge and truth? Well, just because you know something, that doesn't make it true. And truth is true whether you found out about it yet or not. Whether you know it or not. And truth is true whether you believe it or not. Tell me what will absolutely open your eyes, enlighten your being, and liberate and set you absolutely free. Come on, help me out. What, what will do it? The, not your truth, my, my, not their truth. The truth will make you free. But you don't find the truth on every corner. And the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4, has blinded the minds of people that don't believe. And we see in Revelation, how did he do it? He deceives the whole world. That's how he does it. He's got millions believing. There are many gods. There are many ways. He's got millions believing. Spiritual things don't even exist. There is no heaven. There is no hell. He's got many, millions believing. There's no such thing as sin. They don't need a Savior because there is no, they're not lost. There's no heaven or hell. Or lies, lies, and it's going to be a rude awakening when they breathe their last and they slip out of this body and realize they've been believing lies. They're, they're short life. Thank God for the light of his word. Thank God for the truth that makes free. It's true whether you know it or not. It's true whether you believe it or not. I think I may take another motorbike ride. (laughs) Because that sure helped me out. (laughs) Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Go back to that, that passage in Ephesians. What should be, we be on the watch for? The wiles, the sophistry, the, the cunning craftiness, the subtly deceptive reasoning and argument, argumentation. We need to be on the watch about that. And verse uh, 12 We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against, actually other translations say, wicked spirits in heavenly places. Verse 13, we're dealing with unseen entities. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? That's the same idea as resist. Resist, withstand, stand against. That's why we say you keep seeing it. That's what you do. But before you're going to resist it, you've got to recognize this is something from the enemy. Withstand in the evil day and having done all, what do you do? That could be translated, you stand against. Stand against these wilds, these lies. Verse 14. Stand therefore. See, he just keeps on saying it, doesn't he? Three times in a row right there. Stand, how? Stand against it. How? Having your loins girt about with truth. What is the first piece of armor? And and he typifies it by a, uh, a belt. Well, the belt 
is what the breastplate fastened to. And if you had shin guards, it's what they fastened to. It's what the sword was fastened to. How many think truth is a foundation on this whole, right? Truth. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, don't get hung up on breastplate. It is significant. But what's the main thing that's going to protect us? Revelation of righteousness. Revelation of truth. Keep reading. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Keep reading. The shield of faith, wherewith you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation. Don't, don't get hung up on helmet. What's he talking about? Salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is the truth. Jesus said, thy word is truth. Can you see our protection and even our offensive ability starts with the truth and finishes with the truth? What's the way the enemy can hurt us? If he can trick us, if he can deceive us into believing a lie is true, it will give him access We won't be resisting what we believe is right. We won't be standing against what we believe is from God. Do you see this, child of God? This is where the the vigilance comes in. To be on the watch. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. Thanks be to God. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. Are we making progress? Faith life people are and will be some of the most spiritually aware. I don't believe that's something Brother Keith came up with. I believe something the Spirit of God is making available to us and working in us. Faith life people are and will be some of the most spiritually aware people on the planet. We're not dead. And we're not asleep. We're alive and we're awake. And we're not ignorant of his devices and wiles. And what else? Spiritually aware and spirit led. Amen? 1 Corinthians 2 15. Mind renewal is going on today. Here in Branson. People joining us all over. Mind renewal. Do you think we should be spiritual people and develop spiritually? He that is spiritual judges all things. Now, we're not supposed to judge each other. So what does that mean? Listen to uh, the Amplified. The Amplified said the spiritual man tries all things. He examines, he investigates, he inquires, he questions, he discerns. Are you a spiritual man? Then you ask questions. Well, they said this. What's your response? Who are they? (laughs) Well, they're experts. Said who? They said, well, you're just, you're just skeptical. 
You're supposed to be. We are under attack. Every day of our life, we got an adversary trying to trick us. We are commanded and charged to be vigilant, to be on guard, to be on watch. Now, I'm not saying you have to be mean and ugly. And especially people that you don't know that are not receptive, you don't have to get in their face and go, who said so? Unless you want to get punched, you know. But what you do, you may not say a word. You may just smile. But inside you, you're thinking, who said so? Who told them? Where did they learn it? How do they know? If you are a spiritual man or woman. Come on, read the Bible for me. 1 Corinthians 2.15. The spiritual man. What does he or she do? Tries all things. This is not an isolated instance. The other scripture said, 1 Thessalonians 5.21. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 in the NIV says what? Test everything and hold on to the good. What does that mean? You're not going to hold on to everything. There's going to be a lot of stuff you reject because it didn't pass the test. What are we testing it by? And the witness. Right? What are we testing everything by? The word and the witness. We test it. We check it. Go back to that 1 Corinthians 2.15 amplified. The spiritual man tries all things. He examines investigates, inquires, questions, questions, somebody say questions, questions, questions. You know, I saw not too many days ago, they put up a giant clock in Manhattan counting down the global climate clock. What, what are y'all laughing about? A lot of people are really scared about this. I guess you're not. <laughs> and the, on the clock is showing remaining a little over seven years until we are past the tipping point and we will be in cascading global catastrophe. And in many places, if you dare to question this, you are labeled a denier. You deny global warming. You deny the climate change. But what they don't realize They are believers. No. We're intelligent people who who believe the science. Okay. Are you a climate scientist? These people who are so convinced. Do they know anybody that knows a climate scientist? Yeah, but all 
the leading climate scientists of the world agree. That is a lie. That can be easily proven to be a lie. In just a cursory study of the subject, I made a list of 40, 40, 40 names of the top climate scientists who don't agree with the climate panic and hysteria. 40. Just a cursory, just a quick look. But most of them have been silenced. They have been fired. Their funding has been pulled. They have been removed from their places in universities and their professorship terminated. And, you know, that'll shut, shut up mouths. If you dare to even question it, you're shut down. Your, your profession, your, your job's over. But me, some of these individuals, they're the ones that develop some of the data that some of the ones that are panicking over, and they're saying they're misreading it and they're misinterpreting it. They're the ones that came up with it. But should you ask questions before you just go into full-blown panic and you want to rip up all kind of infrastructure and, 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 and do all kind of stuff to just cause upheaval in, in the world and people's lives, should you ask a question or two? Well, it's proven by who? How? I'm just using this as an example. If you don't, don't get mad at me because I asked a question. Right? This you'll find. The truth can bear any scrutiny. It is forever established. It is proven perfectly. You can put any kind of pressure on the truth you want to. You can question it. You can examine it. And it will stand there shining. It can take it. But when somebody starts squirming because you ask a question. And because you point out an inconsistency. The global clock is counting down. To the point where. The overall average temp of the earth has increased one and a half degrees. And when it goes past that point, they say it's free fall. I question that we have the ability to discern that number. I know that they're taking temperatures with satellite and they've done ice cores and all kind of things, but there are vast stretches of ocean and land that do not have temperature, precise temperatures taken and recorded, and you're going to tell me that we know it within a degree. And who set the standard? What year did we pluck that out and say this is the standard that we cannot deviate over a degree and a half from? We have evidence that long ago there were jungles in the Arctic Circle. There was no man-made pollution that caused that. We have evidence there were times that half of North America was under a mile of ice. 
That was not caused by man-made carbon emissions. And are we saying pre-industrial there were no forest fires? There were no forest fires. There were no hurricanes. Pre-industrial. No tornadoes. I'm, I'm just using this as an example. Of how easy it is. For masses of people. To believe something. They just are told something. They don't know anybody. Who knows anybody. Who ever looked at the data. Or thought they might could understand the data. And this word data. <laughs> so many people if you say the word data science expert they go oh well that's it then they got data from science and they're experts it's a lot like polls it really is the result of a poll Depends on who you asked and what you asked them. If you ask somebody else a different question, you're going to get a whole different set of data. Now, I'm not knocking gaining real knowledge. But the Bible talks about, warns us in Timothy, about oppositions of science falsely called science, so-called science. Science, another word for science, is knowledge. That the roots of that word have to do with knowledge. It's the gaining of knowledge. We just got through talking about it. Is knowledge truth? Is there a difference between knowledge and truth? Yes, just because you think you know something, that doesn't make it true. And truth is true whether you know it or not. What am I saying? If you say, well, I'm convinced of it. Okay, I'm not just trying to, to, to beat up you about that. What I am saying, don't be gullible. Ask questions. And ask lots of questions. And if you're not happy with the answers, ask other people. <laughs> ask other questions. Do not just swallow it. Things are being fed to our children as facts that absolutely are unproven and unverified. And things are being pumped into our young people in universities that are absolute lies. They need to be taught from little. They need to see us do it, and they need to be taught to do it when it comes to God. Believe every word instantly. No question, don't have to understand. When it comes to everybody else, ask Examine, question, scrutinize, test everything, prove everything. Just keep asking, keep asking, well, hold on, hold on. I, I mentioned this, you may have heard it in previous teachings, but several years ago, a number of our ministry friends were getting involved in an investment that looked phenomenal. Sounded good to us. We didn't have much money to invest, but we thought the way it sounded, man, you could take a little bit and make a lot in a short amount of time. And so we're ready to do it. And we're to go downstairs in a hotel lobby and talk to some people about it and get ready to put our money in this thing. And uh, 
I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm just going to kneel down here and check with the Lord one more time about this. And, and uh, the Lord spoke to me. He said, I've said nothing to you about this. So you have no reason to trust them. Now, I was thinking totally differently. I was thinking because I didn't know any reason not to trust them. I'm leaning towards trusting them. That's not what the Lord told me. He said, I've said nothing to you about this. So you have no reason to trust them. And he reminded me of what happened with Peter when he fell into the trance. And you know, the people came to the door and were knocking on the door. And the Lord said, go with them. I've sent them. So now he's got a reason to trust what's going on and get involved. But I was leaning the other way that if I didn't have any reason not to trust them, I was thinking wrong. But I went to the meeting anyway, and I started asking a few questions. And they didn't like it. I said, well, what about this? Well, we, we take care of that. You don't need to know that. Oh, I don't need to know that. Well, what if I just come with you? They said, it's on the West Coast, so it's real inconvenient. I said, well, you know, we got a little plane. We'll jump in there, and we'll go over there, and we'll bring our check, and and we can talk to them. And they said, oh, no, no, that won't work. That won't work. You can't see them. You can't meet them. And before too many questions, they decided we might not be good candidates (laughs) to be involved, and, and so we didn't. Found out three months later it was a scam. People, ministers, lost hundreds of thousands. Terrible. We were spared by the mercy of the Lord. Because to my little mind, it looked okay. It looked fine. I couldn't, I couldn't tell. And I was thinking wrong. That's why I'm bringing it up to you today. I'm thinking, well, I don't know anything wrong with it. I don't know any reason not to trust. The Lord told me the other side. He said, I didn't, I hadn't said anything to you about them. You have no reason to trust them. You don't know anything about them. We've been too trusting of things we know nothing about. That's got nothing to do with being a Christian. That's just being easily fooled. It's being gullible. It's being what the Bible calls simple. Romans 16 Verse 18, it talks about individuals. It says, they which serve not our Lord Jesus, but their own belly, by good words and fair speeches, they do what? They deceive the hearts of the simple. There is such a thing as being too simple. Too quick to believe. Too gullible. Unquestioning. And the... uh, The scripture says in Proverbs 14 and 15, Proverbs 14 and 15, the simple do what? They believe every word. But the prudent man looks well to his going. The NIV says a simple man believes anything. The living Bible says only a simpleton believes everything he's told. A prudent man understands the need for proof. Who said? 
data, science, experts. I thank God for what our researchers are doing in in this pandemic and all the stuff. But they are human beings just like you and I. And the reason why it's taken a while to begin to try to get a grasp, they didn't have a clue. Nobody knew. I was watching a a guy the other day on the news, a, a renowned physician who had contracted the virus and was deathly ill. And he had received, I don't know, three, four, five tests, and all of them showed he didn't have it. He's a doctor. He said, I know I had it. About died from it. But the test, the data, (laughs) said, no, you didn't have it. So what are you going to believe? Your own body or the data? Do not just hear these catchwords, data, science, expert, and go, oh, well, that's it. That puts you in the category of being a simpleton who believes every word, who is easily deceived, and it means you're standing there spiritually naked. No helmet, no belt, no breastplate. Come on, can you see this? Standing there spiritually naked with your mouth open like a little bird. And if anybody says, are you sure you should just believe that? They got data. <laughs> they have data. And science <laughs> says who? Who are these amazing experts? Where did they get their data? And concerning, let's say, you know, a climate catastrophe and the countdown of seven years. I know that is not true. So how could you know? By the word? By the word? And by the witness? It doesn't bear witness with me when I hear it. And I've got scripture that tells me how the earth is going to be destroyed. And the cause is not terrestrial. It's not earth-based. It's celestial. Something's going to happen to our sun. And it won't shine. And the earth is going to be moved out of its normal orbit and place. And when it does, the whole land masses are going to shift. And something's going to happen that the surface melts with incredible heat. That is not the result of your pickup (laughs) or the electricity plant. Your tractor, whatever it is. It's not. How many is that? Both of those can't be true. That they're painting a picture is because people were so stupid and they kept spewing emissions into the atmosphere that they destroyed the planet and nobody could live it on anymore. And from space, you could see the sign uninhabitable because of stupid human beings. <laughs> That's acting like there's no God. That's acting like you talk about hubris and pride and arrogance to assert that you understand 
climate, that you understand the atmosphere. The greatest driver by far of climate change is our star, our sun. Nothing else even comes close. And you see this is fear-based, it's fear-driven, and the Savior is, guess who? Enlightened man. And it contradicts the Bible. God does not want us panicking. God does not want us destroying half of what we got, trying to save a planet we cannot save. Taking responsibility of things that are beyond us. Acting like we understand things we don't understand. I'm just using that as an example. There are a thousand other things every week that are just as subtle. They use the same kind of catch words. They're just as deceptive. You, my brother, sister, need to know the truth. You need to read your chapter. Every day, Monday through Friday, you need to get your little self in church. You need to get in the good meetings. You need to hear the word. You need to hear the inspired revelation. Of course, now you need to examine every word you're hearing, right? Right? need to be asking questions, asking questions from the word, from the word. Where is it at? Looking it up for yourself, finding it for yourself. But then established in the word, there'll still be all kind of stuff you don't know, but you got to witness for that. You, the Holy Spirit will just let you know, no, don't, you, don't let that bother you. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. Don't let it bother you, child. Okay, daddy. You say, you got it? You got it. And you can cast your cares over on him. God does not want you or any other of the inhabitants of this planet being full of fear. Being driven by fear. That's the operation of the enemy. Can you see that? That fear, that panic. And also, There are numerous entities that are poised to make billions on this climate thing and they are pushing it for everything they're worth. But whether it's that or any other thing, the spiritual man asks questions. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.